Hello and welcome to another installment of Conf Tea with URSE. A quick reminder that the thoughts and opinions expressed here are our own, and to please consult with Cisco TAC or Cisco Certified Partners before implementing any of the recommendations made on this show. I am your host, Brian Young, and today we're going to talk about Tetration. Joining me today is my co-host, Brian Boyd. Hey, Brian. How's it going? Good. And uh, Joey D is also joining us today. How's it going, Joe? Hey, what's going on, Brian? Brian. All right. So, Tetration. This is an episode that I've been wanting to do for some time, uh, but it's been rather difficult to arrange and get set up. And, and last week's episode with uh, Catherine talking about Zero Trust really kind of was a great segue into this. And I, I think we just we had to move this up. We, we wanted to wait for a little bit, but I think it just made a lot of sense to do this. Um, so coming from the mindset of zero trust, where does Tetration fit into that? Well, choose your favorite buzzword, uh, starting with zero trust, visibility, whitelisting. Um, but seriously, it's, it's intended to be a tool to give you extreme visibility into your data center all of those workloads and how they talk to each other. And given that information, then you can start to make decisions with policy, security, enforcement uh, to get to that whitelist zero trust model. Short and sweet, I like that. So, and, and we did get an opportunity to talk with Catherine about this, uh, kind of really did touch on the differences between like StealthWatch and Tetration where StealthWatch is looking strictly from the network only, a lot of east-west, access layer, core, stuff like that, whereas Tetration is that visibility um, inside your data center specifically, looking at the data center traffic, application to application traffic, and really focusing on just that aspect of that visibility. Um, so let's let's start with that. Let's let's go dive a little bit deeper into um, what Tetration does and and how it and how it does it. Yeah, to understand the differences between the two and you know what it really is, it, it's best to describe, you know, the components of it and go from there. Okay. Um, so Tetration is an agent or a sensor that lives on your workload, first and foremost. Um, that sensor is going to be on every bare metal host, if you have those, virtual machines, containers, whatever you have, it's, it's going to live there. Okay. The second form of it ingesting data is going to be from Nexus 9Ks, if you have those. Uh, there's going to be hardware sensors built in to capture packet headers and data there as well. The third piece of Tetration is going to be some sort of back-end storage and compute to take all of this data and house it, store it, analyze it, so on and so forth. That can either be um, an on-prem rack of gear if you're a huge shop. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're a bit smaller, you are going to want to look at our Tetration as a service offering. So okay. everything's going to be cloud-hosted. Okay. Um and, and this is very different in, you know, just to kind of compare and contrast with, with StealthWatch, right? It, very similar in, in nature, right? We have the data collectors in StealthWatch or the flow collectors. Uh, we're looking, but we're specifically only looking at network traffic. We're not really analyzing any on-device or on-hardware. Um, we're, we're not looking at that. Right. The hardware sensors do have, um, I guess, the the container or VM sensors do have some visibility into the processes, backend stuff, uh, vulnerabilities, um, the operating system on each VM. It doesn't get too heavy into that. It's mostly going to be focused on, like you were mentioning, traffic in and out. Okay. So how much information are we, are we storing here? Or how, much, how far back are we going in, in terms of storage when we're looking at this type of 
uh, data? Because you mentioned we're, we're storing the data. H- how long of a, of a kind of a rewind do we have on this? Depends on how much you want, really. Uh, the, the form factor that you choose is going to dictate that. And uh, it's important to mention that you know, the sensors are really only looking at the packet headers and footers. They don't care about the payload. Okay. So as you're archiving all of this historical data, it's much smaller because you're only stripping that, you know, what is it, first 56 bytes or whatever? Right, right, yeah, something like that. So, okay, we're only, we're only looking at, at the header and, and footer information. We're not looking at the payload. We're getting rid of that, so we're able to store a lot. Um, and why, what are some of the reasons that we would want to have this traffic analyzed? What, what are we looking for? Yeah, it's a great question because, you know, I, we've kind of gone over what titration is, what it's collecting as far as information goes. Now the question is, what do you do with all of that? Right. Uh, so there's a bunch of different use cases, honestly, as far as the imagination can go. Um, but some of the really intended use cases um, are going to start with application dependency mapping and enforcement. Okay. Um, the application dependency mapping specifically is going to tell you which workloads are talking to which other workloads. Um, this can be valuable in and of itself. If you're doing some sort of data center move, um, you're planning to move to the cloud, anything like that, uh, because you want to know what's talking so that you move them in chunks. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. You don't want to move two VMs that are talking to each other, and now all of a sudden they're talking across a WAN link or something like that. Your performance is going to be degraded. Um, you're going to be saturating your WAN links. So potential problems there. So it gives you, with the application dependency mapping, it really gives you that blueprint of what is talking to what, and how much, how often, uh, stuff like that, so that you can decide if and how you're going to move uh, payloads either within data centers or across um, across the country or wherever to another data center or even up into the cloud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it helps you schedule it so you know, you know you're moving them in chunks, in logical chunks, and you're not just you know kind of moving workloads around without paying attention to what kind of impact that's having on performance or the workloads themselves. So kind of like StealthWatch where it helps detect you know anomalies in the network, you know users exfiltrating data or someone accessing a server they shouldn't be. Tetration kind of has that same thing as well, right? Along with the application dependency mapping. And, you know, if one application starts randomly talking to another application that it hasn't before, is there any type of enforcement kind of like StealthWatch does? Yeah, so there's a couple different ways. Um, It really taps into the security side of things. Uh, Number one is going to be the enforcement. So now you have an idea of who's talking to who, right? Mm -hmm. You should also have an idea of who should be talking to who. And if those two don't match up, then you can start to implement policies um, to say that, you know, okay, I see these two VMs are talking, but they shouldn't be. So I'm going to go ahead and implement a policy that only these VMs can talk and nobody else can. So we really start to get into whitelisting. The other thing you mentioned, Joe, is detecting like anomalies in the network. Tetration can also do that. Um, so it, you know, Tetration does this thing where it, kind of collects a baseline of your environment over a week, a month, three months, a year. So it really understands all of your cycles and things like that. If it starts to detect uh, traffic anomalies or patterns that are outside of this cycle, it can alert you and you can set that threshold to be as low or as high as you want. Okay. So yeah, it, it, it sounds like there's some simil- similarities in that regard with, with how StealthWatch and Tetration are going to be using machine learning and, and looking at data over a course of time, right, as you said, days, months, uh, and years, 
to understand what's normal and what kind of falls outside of that. Uh, and from a security standpoint, right, StealthWatch is going to using PX Grid um, alert something like ice or firepower or something to to take some sort of action to say, okay, something's something's going on, especially with the interaction with ice, right? I can go ahead and, and kick this endpoint off the network because they're doing things they're not supposed to. But with Tetration, we're looking at it more from a data center side, right? We're looking at things like, well, we talked about ACI, right? We talked about the, the security within ACI, within the data center. Um, what kind of interactions can we see with Tetration and ACI? Is, that, is there something that you can kind of do one or the other? Do they work together? How, how would that work? Yeah, it really depends. I would say um, at the beginning, one or the other, and mm -hmm. then you can really start to see how they work together if you implement both. Okay. So if you're coming up on a hardware refresh in your data center, I would recommend taking a good look at ACI mm -hmm. um, because that'll solve two issues with one stone, I guess, um, in that you'll get the you know the Nexus 9K updated hardware as well as the software that comes with ACI that gives you the security, the whitelisting, all of the policy enforcement, things like that. If you are not coming up on a hardware refresh, this is where I would start to look at Tetration first. And, you know, you get all the software sensors, things like that, without having to do a lift and shift with your network gear. Once you have both of them, you can start to use Tetration um, as kind of like your policy maker, in a sense. You have all this information about how everyone's talking. You can take that make a policy with Tetration, export it to ACI, where it does the actual enforcement there on the network side of things, which is really nice. So intent-based networking is taking a business intent and translating it into you know, a solution via some type of technology. Um, so it seems like Tetration can do that as well. So if you want you know, these non-production servers to not talk to these production servers, or you want an HR employee to talk to an employee database, it seems like Tetration kind of fills that void. Absolutely, it does that whole intent-based networking story where you're implementing the policy, but on top of that, Tetration has all of this historical data, right? It's gonna be running in your environment for a long time. So why not use it? Nobody wants to just make a policy change cold turkey. So you can take your intent, you can take your policy that you think is gonna identify and implement that intent, and then you can test it against all that historical data to see what would be blocked, what wouldn't be blocked, what are some false positives things like that before you implement it in production and make actual changes to your network. Right. And I, I, I love the simulation aspect of it because, as you said, it, it goes beyond, it, it's it's better than just testing it or blindly testing it, right? Just, you know, we'll test it in production. Um, because if you're going to make a change, especially a security one, there can be underlying services that you're blocking or underlying dependencies that you're not allowing to communicate that you didn't know were going to be adver adversely affected. So the application dependency mapping is going to be vital to be able to understand those, those connections and those dependencies. But the simulation piece is going to allow you to test, A, am I interrupting anything that should be working and it's not? And B, if I'm trying to block something, does this change actually block it? Right? And then you know, is, is my desired outcome is my intent actually going to work with this change exactly you run your simulation test it out see if it works or not and then then go ahead and properly produce it uh, and implement it in, into the production network so it's it's a really really cool piece now we, we didn't really talk too much about well we've kind of touched upon how it's consumed different form factors but can we dive into that a little bit more just so we better understand um 
the capabilities of each of these methods of deployment? Absolutely, yeah. We can just divide it really into on-prem versus in the cloud. Mm -hmm. um, on-prem, you really have two main options. It's going to be a full rack of gear or a half a rack of gear. And this is all decided, you know, this is all decided on by how large your environment is. So you would take how many workloads you have, that's gonna be a vir virtual machine, a container, a bare metal host, add all those up. If you're at a certain number, you're, that's how we're gonna direct you towards you know, a certain size of gear. Okay. Um, what, yeah. are those, what are those, what is that number? Approximately. I, um, I believe it's like 25,000 and above, and you're looking at the, um, the full rack of gear. Okay. Between 15 and 25. And don't quote me on these. These are right, right. just estimates. And then um, up to 5,000 uh, can be the Tetration V, which is um, just you know running a virtual machine on any compute factor you have. There are some pretty strict requirements for that, mm -hmm. but if you have some open server space, this might work for you. And then, um, yeah, the other option is Tetration as a Service, which we touched on, which is going to be in the cloud. And that's for uh, up to 25,000 workloads, I believe. 25,000. And I think that starts at 100, right? Mm -hmm. right? And one thing I do want to call out is we mentioned the hardware sensors on the Nexus 9Ks. If you're using Tetration as a Service, you can't use the hardware sensors on the Nexus 9Ks. That's only if you're running on-prem. Okay. And what would be what would be lost in that kind of, what um, capability would we lose if we couldn't run the hardware sensors on the Nexus? So 90% of Tetration's data is going to come from the sensors on your virtual machines. Mm -hmm. um, you can really augment that by using the hardware sensors. Okay. Because now not only are you getting the, you know, packets captured at the VM level, you're, get, you're getting them one hop up as well right. at the network layer. So you're missing all that. Okay. So it, it's not a it's not a total game changer. It's it, we're not losing critical information, but no. there is going to be some context that you're going to be missing out on if yes. you, if you can't get it from the the Nexus lineup. Exactly, it's not going to be a deal breaker to use uh, titration as a service. Okay, so we touched upon this with with Catherine um, in in the last episode, but we because the the question I posed to her was if you have a customer that's looking to get into Securing their data center, securing their network, going towards a zero trust model. Some of the low hanging fruit on this on in the conversation that we were having with her was something like multi factor, like with Duo. Um, it sounds to me like Tetration as a service, especially for our smaller customers that don't necessarily have ten thousand to twenty five thousand workloads, don't need to have an entire half or full rack of gear uh, installed. Tetration as a service sounds like a very consumable method of uh, introducing Tetration into their environment and really starting to go down the path of zero trust within their data center. I mean, it, I, I, I'll say this again. I said it in the last episode. It, it's kind of sad that we're at this point that you can't even trust what's inside your own network. Uh, but it's kind of the, the way we have to do it, especially now in, in the environment that we're in now. It's, it's, you, you have to take that, that case of zero trust because if you don't, uh, you may end up like another statistic. Yep, it only takes one screw up. So. Yeah, yep. Uh, I've I've heard the the line that hackers only need to be right once. We need to be right every single time. Mm -hmm. We need to get it right every single time, uh, and and malicious actors only need to get it right once. So, kick Karen out of the data center. Make sure she doesn't have access. So, Brian, let's get into some of the use cases of Tetration and what it can really do. Now, before we go into that, for our listeners, 
this is just a small subset of use cases. Please consult with your Cisco account team to learn more about this and, and find out if Tetration is going to be right for your environment and the use cases that you are trying to do. But I want to just kind of go through a couple different examples of some of the use cases where Tetration has been really helpful. Right. So we've covered application dependency mapping. I think right. we've hit that one pretty well. Enforcement, which is you know that, that whitelisting after you've learned what should be talking, what you want to talk, so on and so forth. Um, some of the other ones that I wanted to mention were compliance and audit. So a lot of customers out there are going to be you know PCI compliant or some other governing body. I know the EU has their own. That that was a big deal about a year ago. Right. Um, so this gives you all the tools you need to to make sure you're PCI compliant or any other sort of compliance where you can prove you have the policies in place that are proper and that you have all this historical data that shows hey, I have this policy in place, but also I can prove they haven't been talking at all. That's huge because, I mean, the alternative is if you happen to be doing, say you are some of the lucky companies that are actually ingesting a lot of their packet captures and, and stuff like that, whether it's span ports or going into some sort of a sim, you still have to go through and manually find all this all of this just to prove, no, I did not leak this data. No, I did not let these two... Uh, services talk to each other. Whereas in titration, you're saying I can just run a report, poof, there it is. Here you go. We're good. Yeah. Especially once you go through, you name all your workloads, you know, you know, you're, you're very intimately familiar with the data it's been providing to you. It would mm-hmm. be very easy to create a report based on that because you have everything in front of you about who's been talking and who hasn't. And I think this is actually something, uh, don't quote me on this, but I think this is something that's required with some of the NIST uh, requirements. You need to be able to go back and prove that um, you have not allowed this to go through. I mean, any any sort of compliance, right? They're going to have their own rules and regulations, but I'm pretty sure there is some um, requirement for some sort of our audit trail that you can go back and pull up information should you be requested. And, as part of the NIST framework. And anyone listening or anyone getting a titration overview, they know if this use case is them or not. Right. Because it's either painful or they don't have to follow through with it. Right. Yeah, and I know. And even besides the um, compliance reporting, um, titration has good, like you said, vulnerability reporting. So when we had the meltdown inspector attack a while ago, titration was actually used to identify those anomalies and alert on, on it. Was that Tetration Network did that or, or StealthWatch? No, it's Tetration. Yeah, Tetration so it, it, it yep. has visibility in your operating system as well as the patch patching version and all of that. Okay. So if you are if it finds CVEs, it'll alert you on them, and you can even set up you know policies that say okay anything with the CVE score of seven or higher, if we find this on our network, don't let it talk at all. Mm. So you can start to get very granular, very secure, um, and it honestly really just follows along with the zero trust model you you guys have been talking about that's really cool yeah that was that was not something i was aware of i know i know from the stealth watch standpoint right just looking at anomalous traffic uh, behaviors right um karen's uh desktop is pulling a ton of data off of a server two o'clock in the morning and then there's a ftp connection to some canadian server (laughs) You know that that that's going to show up as anomalous, and it's going to alert, and and, and action can then be taken. Uh, but being able to go uh, with, with what you're saying on the on the titration side, having that visibility into the operating system, and be able to just nope, I'm not going to let it talk to this system, and because it has some CVE that is known about, and we're not going to 
I'll let it talk until that's taken care of, whether by patch or other means. Yep, and Tetration does the same thing, but more focused on virtual machine traffic. So a great example is the Equifax hack, if you're mm -hmm. familiar with that. I oh, won't yeah. get into what exactly happened, but there's like a bunch of different ways that Tetration would have caught it, starting with the CVE. Uh, it, was right. a, it was an unpatched version of Apache. Um, but the anomalous traffic, like we were just talking about, now it's going to be virtual machine focused. So the Apache server would talk to a load balancer that would then talk to a database server. That's mm -hmm. how every single one of their interactions would go. Mm -hmm. In the Apache hack, the hacker actually went directly from the Apache server to the database server. Right. Tetration would have picked up on that immediately because they never talked to each other directly, and they would have shut that connection down if there was a policy in place to do so, or at the very least alerted the proper people that something was going on. Interesting. Yeah, it's funny because hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? We can sit here and pick on all day on how how bad Equifax specifically did with you know this whole thing. But yeah, it, Tetration could have been a, a great preventer there. Um, Firepower would have also been able to see it. I mean, we we know the you know in the intrusion prevention side of things on Firepower, we are very well aware of that particular vulnerability. We would have noticed that type of traffic, and we would have stopped it at the firewall. Um, and then, as you said, Tetration for the machine to machine traffic. Um, yeah, it's it's. It's pretty interesting, you know, when you look at this type of attack or any of the attacks that come out, uh, and you're able to kind of look at it after the fact, and it's like, oh yeah, if we did, if they did this differently, then it would have solved X, and did something else differently, it would have solved Y. Uh, but that's that's pretty interesting. Just the just the fact that it was communicating through a different channel, just going directly from the Apache server and skipping the load balancer and going right into the database server that alone would have been enough to say, hey, something's not right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the cool thing about Tetration with that is if you don't already have a policy set up um, and it brings up that alert you're talking about, you could actually do in-place policy decisions. So, hey, you know, this is an alert for this flow, and then you could just right away block it. So the uh, automation is great with that tool. Nice. Any other use cases you can think of? Yeah, just one more, really. Um, this one's a bit simpler, but kind of gets lost in the shuffle, which is forensics. Okay. Um, and honestly, it kind of goes along with what Joe was just talking about. You have all this historical data. So if you get alerts on something or you notice certain traffic patterns, you can start to do in-place policies. And then if something happened, now I'm not saying Tetration is a troubleshooting tool or anything like that, but you have all this data. So if there are some sort of outages or anything like that, you can go back and look at the historical data to try to figure out what happened, when the connection went down what two things couldn't talk. Um, you know, could they make it one hop forward, but not from the second hop to the third hop, things like that. Mm. Nice. That's so it sounds like this is a really useful tool um, for anyone that's got any sort of data center load they have to worry about, uh, whether it's in... Um, actually, that's a good question. What about users that have workloads in the cloud? Do we have anything for them, or is that is that not? Yeah, we can put sensors on workloads in the cloud. Okay. So even if your workload is in the cloud in AWS environment or whatever, we can go ahead and put sensors on those and be able to get some information out of them to be able to see the direction that the traffic is flowing and what's talking to what. Absolutely, because there's, you know, the majority of customers, I would say, are going to be some percentage of on-premise and in the cloud as well. Right. No one's just all one or all the other. So right. it's important to be able to cover both. 
So let's talk about some of the concerns that uh, maybe we've run into uh, from customers that are looking at Tetration or considering it. What have you kind of seen in terms of what they're concerned about? Yeah, one of the big ones I would say is if you are looking at Tetration as a service, mm-hmm. um, all of your packet headers, IP addresses, des- source destination, you know, port protocol, all that stuff is going to be sent to the cloud, where Cisco hosts, you know, the backend compute and storage to make Tetration work. Right. So people have concerns about, you know, how is this secured, all of that stuff. There is a really good uh, white paper that I can send out. Okay. Uh, that covers all of the different. Um, ways that the data is secured uh, to put your mind at ease. Well, this is uh, this has been really, really great, Brian. I'm glad we finally got a chance to, to talk about Tetration. Um, any other final thoughts? Anything uh, top of mind that you'd uh, like to mention? Yeah, um, Tetration is you know great for visibility in your data center. Mm-hmm. There are a couple other pieces of software that I think it'd be good to bring up at this point, just in terms of if you're trying to get more information into your data center. Okay. Um, so one of them is CWAM, Cisco Workload Optimization Manager, which gives you visibility into your resource management, um, your virtual machines, and how much uh, CPU memory storage they're consuming. And then it gives you recommendations about moving workloads around if one host is particularly saturated or maybe downsizing a virtual machine that's over-provisioned. Uh, so it can really help you optimize you know, your, your different workloads in your data center. And one of the other ones is AppDynamics. Um, this is first and foremost an application monitoring tool. Um, so it's going to have visibility and ties into the virtual machine a little bit up to the network and then all the way down to the code level itself. So if you're having a performance issue with an app, mm-hmm. you know, hey, something's wrong with the code, something's wrong with the virtual machine, something wrong is wrong with the network, and you can start to really dive deep from there. Uh, so it's a very invaluable tool. Nice. And then on top of that, we've got Tetration yeah. for... Uh, workload to workload uh, communication, so they will tie well together. Yeah, and then everything t- covered. And then on top of that, stealth watch for the access layer and core and n- strictly network network communication stuff. Mm-hmm. So full stack all the way down to the hardware resource level, uh, all the way up to the network side. Pretty cool stuff. So if any of this stuff interests you, make sure to reach out to your Cisco account team to learn more um, and ask about. Either any one of these products are all together and, and just see what we can do to help get your data center running um, at its peak efficiency. Joe, anything, uh, any final words from you? Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, very cool tool, a demo. So like Brian said, reach out to your local account team and they can take care of that for you. Awesome. Well, thank you, Brian and Joe, for joining me today. And thank you for listening to ConfT with your SE. If you have a question you'd like us to answer or a topic you'd like to suggest, please send us an email at hello at conft.show. And if you like the show, please consider sharing it with your friends and colleagues and giving us a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And if you're not already subscribed, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so that you can get notified when we publish a new episode every two weeks. Show notes for this episode and every episode can be found on our website at conft.show. That's C-O-N-F-T dot S-H-O-W. As always, stay safe out there and don't forget to save that config.